From the world of AV programming and control with James King, I'm Steve Greenblatt, and this is Ask the Programmer. This is a different episode of Ask the Programmer than usual because uh, James is not here today, and uh, I'm recording from ISE 2024. But I do have a special guest with me, and I'm excited to talk to Neil Silver from LCD. Welcome, Neil. How are you? I'm good, thank you. It's, it's a slightly odd environment, isn't it, Steve, to be escaped into a not quite soundproof booth yes. in the middle of ISE. Well, you know, they thank you for ISC and the Influencer Hub for giving us the space, but it is, uh, <laughs> we're in a little bit of a box and uh, we get some windows and we feel like we're being watched by people, but it's, uh, it's still, still very good to be here. Um, Neil, you and I know each other for some time and we've gotten to know each other even better the past couple of years. Um, we're, we're both in the programming space, we're both uh, considered independent programmers, but I wanted to give you a chance to talk a little bit to our audience about your background, how you got into programming, and then we'll, we'll take it from there. Yeah, certainly. It's, um, it, it's good to talk about it while we are at the show, even due to the technical constraints and the, and the kind of window of people looking in, but everything's fresh because we're right in amongst it in the middle of ISE. Um, so like, ISE feels a little bit more like we have a bit of a, a DJ and a light and sound component this year because there's that whole lighting hall at the start. So I, I started, I got into the AV industry uh, first off through amateur theater. My, my granddad's son in you know, Gilbert and Sullivan and all the stage plays. And my dad was a terrible singer. So, so he got involved in the technical aspect. He got involved in building the sets, doing the lighting, and stage managing the performances. And so my brother and I, from an early age, we got involved in, first off, in, the, in all of those things, painting the sets and, and doing the follow spot. That was always really exciting. And then we'd get involved in the pyrotechnics, the flashes and the bangs. And slowly you evolve towards um, controlling things and making things happen. I guess pyrotechnic charges are brilliant. They're, they're a great control thing. You, can, you get to press a red button and something goes bang at the other side of the stage. So, so my route, like many, was, uh, was live events, live events theatre uh, in the first place. And that's how I started into the industry. But many years before I started calling myself a programmer, um, that came much, much later. Interesting. So. Um I guess talk about that transition then yeah. from how you got, because programming isn't something that anybody can just pick up. Yeah, no, so it really, what in terms of um, the, the evolution, so I, I got really heavily involved in theatre um, during my kind of school days. There was opportunities to, uh, to get involved in, in professional technical backstage theatre, um, and that evolved into kind of audiovisual and more widely events and um, school dances and DJing, things like that. Um, when I went down to university, there was a number of opportunities available to, to continue that on in the space of um, both in a volunteering sense, in the opportunities that are available to me. Edinburgh, where I, uh, where I went for university, is a event sound town. Every summer it turns into a huge festival. We have stages everywhere and there's loads of opportunities to work and to volunteer within those environments. So I got quite heavily involved in, in being a tech on all of these events, setting up the events, uh, running the sound desk, running the audio desk for the event. And in the off season between this huge summer influx, the, the techs tended to kind of filter out into the comedy clubs and the nightclubs and do the tech for those. And what really first got me involved in our, my first business uh, was called Lighting Control. And when, the, when these nightclubs and bars um, refitted and made themselves you know, more beautiful and tidied themselves up, 
they all had a little control system and it was all just the level of a control system that was just beyond the installers and the electricians to deal with. It would be a you know, scene control and raise lower, but it just required a little bit of commissioning on a very low level. And so that always started to fall to me. That very basic, but that's the first real programming I did. You know, configuration of a system. We, sure. we talk on other things about the difference between programming and configuration. But these, these systems started getting me into just controlling lighting, very basically. And then lighting evolved into, okay, well, we actually have some other control requirements. We need to do some audio over here. We need to do some video switching over here. And these things build up. And very much in the early days, um, I was starting to do these lighting control systems and a little bit of audiovisual control. But I wasn't in the, the traditional AV business at all. I was very much in the, still in the events production and um, professional light and sound sort of business. And then slowly over time, um, the business started to um, evolve from dealing with any of that maintenance and installation of lighting and sound to just dealing with the control aspect, just looking at uh, how we controlled the kit that was installed on lighting controls and then subsequently onto um, more integration of other devices, other systems. That's, I mean, that's a great story. I mean, it's, it sounds like you were, you were very much like bought into the industry. It sounded like it's something that, that it was a passion of yours that you just continued to evolve. The thing that I would like to touch on a little bit too is that you mentioned a business. And I think that that's something that we don't talk a lot about in what we do. We, we focus a lot on the tech and we talk a lot about the programming aspects, which we'll get into, but, but the, the business side is that something that you feel always connected to or was a business just something that you evolved into? So I guess, I guess we would say I, would always, I, I, has all, I have always had a, what might be described as an entrepreneurial streak. Um, but, it, but it's interesting because I think as an independent programmer, you become a business very easily without thinking about becoming a business. Because of the nature of your work, you make yourself available and you have some skills, then you become a business. Yeah. Maybe not quite the same. And I would describe my business, my first business, um, and I, it's my birthday today. Oh really, happy birthday. <laughs> so I turned 44 today, and I've, um, I've always worked for myself. I started my first business when I was 15, um, and we set up that business to run um, events for to, to um, raise money for the school proms, you'd call them in the US, I guess. Yeah. So at that age, we were, we were hiring in the local company to run the disco and the lighting and the event. And I said, well, we could do that. And so we, around my local neighborhood, we would take on the contracts for running these events. And the events would be successful enough that the groups running them would raise some money to host the prom. So we were fundraising. So. That business I started off uh, when I was still at school um, and um, we were renting equipment and we were running the events and planning the event business. Um, and I've never stopped running a business. Um, but, I, but there is a little period in the middle where, as I say, I think I was more of a traditional a service provider, which, although it's a business, it's, it's, it's a little bit different than a, a business needs to have a, needs to have a plan and a direction and, and a mission. And as a service provider, in whatever level, 
you, you can be a person for hire, and it's it's slightly different, I yeah. think. But I, no, I'd say I've always had a, an entrepreneurial streak, um, and I've had a couple of different businesses. I've, you know, things have worked and things have worked less well over the years as well. Um, during the period of uh, when we were still doing all the eventing and, and, and DJ supplies in Edinburgh, we, we set up to sell all of the DJ equipment as well and retail it. We had a retail store in the middle of Edinburgh. Um, and it was great fun. Lots of people used us and it, and it was it, it was an interesting time, but we don't do that anymore. <laughs> the uh, I think the, the term that we would use would be a freelancer, I think, for as a service provider. I think, yeah, I think that's that's the other description of it. And, it, and, and don't get me wrong, I mean, there's some some, I'm, not, I'm not belittling it or taking anything yeah. away from it, um, but it's in, it is interesting how we fall into it yeah. some, somehow. You mentioned earlier on, you said you were kind of brought in, you know, you're you brought in because of that demand and that, that knowledge and that capability. You can get that thing sorted out and fixed for somebody, then you make yourself indispensable. Sure. Right. I, I mean, for me, I started doing independent programming almost 27 years ago, and it was a similar type of a situation. I saw an opportunity and you start off just making money doing it and then you, you realize, well, what, how, how is this going to grow because the business starts to dictate the decisions that you make because in order to maintain the clients and in order, order to, uh, to, to continue to, to move forward, you have to figure out how, how to you put the pieces in place. The thing that I like to talk about is that the programming is, is great and you need to deliver that, but there's so much else that goes into making a business work that yeah. a lot of people may overlook because they don't know what they're getting themselves into. So I just, it's, and, and quite honestly, that never changes in yeah. 25, 27 years. It, there's always going to be the next challenge because there's always going to have to be some evolution or some change because we, we all know that the, the big word that everybody talks about is pivot. So it's uh, in, in order to, to survive, you have to continue to go yeah. where the work is. So uh, playing on that, I know that um, doing project programming was probably part of what you offered story, at, at yeah, some point. And, and, and you've um, evolved that into also doing products. So uh, maybe talk a little bit about that because it's an interesting idea. Not all programmers are seeing that they can also do something other than just being work for hire per se. Yeah, because you can, there's obviously, a, if, if you are ambitious to expand that business beyond yourself, um, then you can continue and build out that service model in terms of um, you know getting more people involved, um, explaining how you do it and, how, and why you think that's a good way of doing it and, and, and uh, expanding your service. But ultimately for a service provider, uh, there's only so many hours in the day that you can that you can offer, and if that is your your uh, your sellable portion, then then you're going to hit a limit at some point. So you can expand by um, bringing in other services, but ultimately you're going to be time limited. Um, I think like we've had sort of um, internal tools that have kind of we've always thought oh, I think other people would be interested in those. So I guess that was the first evolution of, of kind of thinking about products. Um, and a couple of years ago, we we started to we started to really kind of think about well, what's the difference between making this uh, for us, and, and and what do we need to think about to actually make this a, a product that's accessible to many um, and useful to, to many? And there is a certain change of mindset that you have to do. We, we've we've um, 
you know, shared some free tools over time with other programmers, um, things that, that, that we've started using in-house or even that I'd started using on my own in-house originally to make things more easy. Um, but when you start thinking about turning those into a product, um, I know at, at the outset some of my original products were just really putting the thing in a, into a box and going, here you go. Mm-hmm. Um, and what the evolution of the last couple of years with a couple of uh, individuals who've kind of joined the business is really looking at those products and saying, let's design the, let's design the solution that somebody needs um, because somebody else's requirement will be different from ours. Something we've built in-house is going to be very specific to our requirement. Whereas when you, um, when you look at the, 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 the drawing board and say, well, how can we, how can we fix the, this problem for many people in different environments? That's really exciting. It's really exciting to, to, um, to make something that fixes the problem for many people. So that's, that's where our first products came from. Um, very small little products but accessible to, to anyone and it really opened us up to a really exciting and scary thing that people are using your products on the other side of the world that you don't know you know it's very so so different from the service provider where you you meet the people who are using your your rooms when you, you go there literally to somebody um, on the other side of the world you know suddenly we went from having um, customers just in our geographical corner of the world to having people popping up from all over the world using our product which is really exciting to 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 to, to bring through but as I say some of those early products um, I'm probably not the proudest of not not because they weren't successful but they were really just boxing up something we'd already done it's I think the process that I really enjoy is actually designing that product and questioning questioning the design of it as you're putting on the drawing board then prototyping it on the way um, so it's a real development process and as you know in service programming you don't get time for that development process you can make a you, you make a decision you've got to stick with it because the program is such that you've got to keep going and you've got to make it work in that way so with the product process it's it's difficult you you set your own program as well is the other very different thing um, if somebody says to me, what deadlines do you have? And I say, well, self-imposed ones mainly. Sure. Um, you, as the business owner, you set your own deadlines as to when a product will be released. And also you get some products wrong. Sometimes uh, you go down the development path and you, you realize that it isn't going to work either technically or commercially. So that's exciting though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, frankly, we had... Many years ago, we, we had come up with a graphics product. The thing that I realized afterward was you not, can't necessarily build the product and expect the clients to come. You have to make sure that the clients want this product before you build the product. Yeah, yeah. How, how much of that factored into your decisions? Oh, absolutely. It's, I mean, it's um, trying, to find a, trying to find a problem for your solution rather than the other way around, of course. Um, and I think... I think we've got to be very careful as um, kind of engineers and technical. Uh, that's where you and I both come from mm-hmm. at Source. You know, although we've both got an entrepreneurial streak, and, and, and I, you know, I think we've got to be very careful as engineers to 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 be really honest with ourselves and and and, and pull a product into a focus of fixing one problem, not many. That's that's the one of the biggest struggles we have. 
um, is really focusing in on what are we trying to solve in this one thing and not trying to do everything at once. Um, we know that in the software realm, we can, we can literally do anything. Sure. It's, yeah. you know, always the old thing with, well, what can you make it do or well, whatever you want it to do? Well, we really can with software. So it makes, it makes product decisions really, you, you can't base them on, I mean, even, even if you, I've done a very limited um, experience with hardware, uh, product mm -hmm. design in my time but the experience I have of it I know that you have these physical constraints you know we can only get this much processing on this box or we can only fit in so many components into this physical shape so you have those constraints in a software product you don't have that you've got to impose some of those constraints so that you really focus in um, but to a point you've got to focus in on the problem you're trying to solve um, as opposed to the tool that you want to build to solve it with um, and yeah, I, I think that's uh, that's evolved by the business growing to have more voices in that conversation, and especially grown by now having um, other commercial, other people in the in the conversation who have a complete commercial focus on that and are really looking at well, how do we make this product work commercially? Because that's not just how do you make a product work commercially isn't just like a measure of success for the business, obviously. That's why we're all we're here to, to make the, the business needs to continue to, to monetize the products that it makes. But if we fail to make a product that works commercially, that's a fail for the person who needs that product as well. Sure. So, so it's, it's both of those sides of the coins we're trying to fulfill there. Um, so having, having conversations with people about what their problems are and understanding them, uh, that's always been a thing for, for programming and service provision and for AV in general. Um, and I think that uh, it's, it's exactly the same in product in, in some way, I suppose. I don't know if that answers the question. No, it's rambled it, off a bit. <laughs> I, well, I think, I think what, I'm, what I'm hoping that our audience can get to understand is that this could be an opportunity and we shouldn't shy away from it, but we also have to know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. And, and there's a lot that there's, there's risk involved, there's investment involved, that, but, but it's also making sure that the clients want what you're doing not you just it's not your decision for something that you want <laughs> yeah it has to be driven by the client I think the other thing that happens as well is there's um there's a lot of opportunities I mean as as independent programmers we get asked to do some really exciting and interesting things and there's there's a temptation to say well I wonder if we could use that this project or this ask that we've had to create a product at the same time and in my opinion it fundamentally doesn't work because you're going to build the wrong product you're going to build a, you're going to build the thing for that situation and you're going to compromise the the, the, the product in general um, that's very tempting though of course you know somebody's going to fund some of your development they're going to fund some of your you know you're going to go down the wrong ways but yes you have to be prepared to um, bet on a horse to a degree you've got to I mean you you need to do all the research and you need to look at all the different options but ultimately you've got to um, you've got to be prepared to go and go the wrong way and fail on something um, and I think even more so and I think that's um, when you transition to building products from just offering service there's, there's certainly much much more risk involved um, but it's very rewarding getting getting a product out the door and going through that process absolutely yeah is this the main focus of your business or is it 100% or is it just a, a larger percent than what it was? 
it, it is our um, it is our main focus in the business building products now. Um, we still have some we still do some deployment of systems, and to do that we we lean on the the kind of community of independent programmers, and we have uh, uh, some relationships there. Um, but the core team at LCD are are, are building products and, and software for others to use, um, and thinking up new ones <laughs> as well, which is exciting. So um, we definitely dedicate some time. We've got a we've got a great little kind of internal ideas board where we where we just populate with crazy ideas that somebody's had of something we could build. Um, so yeah, it's it's our our core focus is building products now. So your latest product is Centro, yes. right? And it's uh, something that you're um, very proud of and, and, and also showing here at, at ISE. Tell a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, it's very much in its, in its infancy. So Centro, I think the name was only settled on a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> so, um, but we've been, showing, we've been showing the idea, we first showed the idea at ISE last year, but it was very much um, on the drawing board. And we just, we took it for some initial, as I say, we, you need to seek feedback. Mm -hmm. You need to uh, talk to people about their problems. And so we first started showing that on when we were exhibiting at ISE uh, last year, and where we where we're at with it now, it's just that it's first release and ready for uh, ready for real use, and we and an opportunity presented itself to to display it here on on stand uh, to uh, deliver some functionality for a for a hotel room, the Crestron Hotel Room, which is uh, is on the middle of the Crestron stand, and deliver some guest experiences on there. Uh, and that's a great fit for the product. It's one of our verticals that the product is, is designed to serve, but it's very much in its infancy and we're still in the stage with that product that all, although we're at release one, uh, we're ready to, ready to deploy, it's, um, it's still a product that we have, uh, having, having product ideas, and as I say, having that board of having loads of product ideas, this product is, is a big central product, Centro to us. And it's got its own ideas board oh, because great. we've got a feature list for, for, for different things. Now, we're being very careful, as I say, not to try and solve all the problems in one product. That's got to be a, a real thing. Um, my colleague, uh, Tony Howard, he is, he is in charge of that product and he is the one that is now holding me to account and saying, no, that feature's not getting in or yes, we need that feature and it should be ahead of this one. So we've got a real process there. But showing it at ISE this week has been great. We've been getting loads of feedback from people about things it solves for them, about how, we, how, they, how they might use it, about things that we might not have thought of that they might use it for. Um, every time you put something in front of a ISE audience, they'll come up with something, some way of using it that you haven't thought of. So it's very much in its infancy. We're demoing it uh, to, We've demoed it to a few projects and customers already and got great feedback, but what we're doing over the next couple of months is, is, is putting um, more specific real demos out to uh, users, uh, gaining more feedback, and uh, hopefully later in the year we'll do a bit more of a, you know, a, a bells and whistles launch where we kind of properly launch it to the world and, and, and show the roadmap for the feature set that we have for it. That's fantastic. Last question before we wrap up. What, what's one thing that you learned in this process that you didn't know before that uh, you think would be valuable for others to understand? Hmm. In the whole process all the way from school to now. Well, in, in the, pr the product. We'll talk about the, pro the product okay. side or, or, or in business. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think the thing I'd say is everybody, everybody's always told me in... Um, 
in business to do your research before you do your business. And I think that's one of the measures for me of the difference between a business and a, a freelancer. Um, if you're out there asking questions of people before and doing planning, that's, that's, there's, there's many ways you could construct it, but that's one of the things for me. Um, one thing that I find really, really inspiring with, I'm gonna call them the younger generation now because it's my birthday today and I feel old. <laughs> One thing I find really inspiring with the younger generation, and I'm talking, you know, those in their 20s just now, is they're a lot less shy than I was. And they come and say to me, how do you work out how much to charge for something? How do you, how do you approach a customer? What, how do you do that? And they ask, and it's great. Yeah. And I was a shy, uh, I was a shy thing. I wouldn't go and ask those questions in those ways. And as I've, uh, as I've got a little older, uh, I do step back and ask those questions a little bit more. So I think um, researching and asking, asking, asking the questions that you're, uh, you know, never be too shy to ask questions. There's no stupid questions. I know it's a bit cliched, but I think it's, uh, I think it's a really important one. Yeah, I like that a lot, actually. It's, uh, if, if you don't put yourself out there and you're, you're not looking out for your best interest, who's going to? Yeah. So that's it's a good place for us to wrap this up. Um, Neil Silver from LCD, thanks for being here. Uh, how could people get in touch with you, learn more about, about LCD, learn more about Centro, and anything else that you wanted to share? So uh, you'll find me on, on, on LinkedIn, um, uh, and we have a business page on there, um, LCD on, on LinkedIn. So if you, if you tap that into the search, uh, the Centro product, if you want to, uh, if you're interested in a demo for uh, MDU or hospitality markets that's on our, our, our website at lightingcontrol.co.uk forward slash centro c-e-n-t-r-o uh, and you'll get set up with a, we can set you up with a, a demo session for that um, and yeah that's how you can you can get in touch with me well, thanks for being here I appreciate you making the time and I know it's a busy schedule and um, even on your birthday so I appreciate <laughs> that um, for for me you could reach me at Steve Greenblatt on social media you can reach my company Control Concepts at controlconcepts.net but most importantly and uh, we, we are missing James so you can reach James at av underscore James King as well as at Hetma and also Google him as he always says so please do that and a shout out to James we miss you but uh for our podcast, you could reach, uh, you can see us on video on YouTube. You can listen to us on audio on your favorite podcast player. Uh, you could also follow us on the formerly known Twitter at uh, AV Programmer Pod. And uh, we'd like to hear from you. We'd like to know what you think about this episode. We'd like to know what you want to know more about. And we'd also like to have some more guests on the show. So please reach out and let us know you're out there. Let us know what you think. And uh, we just are continuing to highlight programmers in the community and build more recognition for those who are doing AV programming. And with that, this has been Ask the Programmer.